Some of you here have been, I'm sure, considering what new resolutions you can make for this year. And, you know, maybe we need to take off a few pounds. Maybe we need to exercise more. Those are usually some of the things. Um, I'm going to eat healthier. I'm going to uh, get more involved in church. I'm going to help others more. I'm going to tithe more. I'm going to, and we get all these things, and three weeks later, we're, we're like right back where we were. And we're just, yeah. right? Am I right? I am in the habit of not making resolutions. Okay? My resolution is to not make any resolutions. Yeah? And uh, Brother Bill and I were talking, and Jody too, this morning, and the praise team about these New Year resolutions. And and it it really, if there's something that you want to change in your life, it's a life change. You got to make some changes, and a resolution is not going to do it. If, if it. if it didn't happen before, it's not going to happen now, and so you need to make some changes, right? If you keep doing what you've always done, you're always going to get what you always got, right? And so you make some changes in your life, and you back it up with something. You need some sort of support there, right? And that's how you're able to um, make the changes in your life. Some of you have been trying to quit smoking. Some of you have been, you know, doing the other things. And, um, and it's difficult. And so you, you need that support. You need um, to make some changes and then back it up with some sort of uh, plan that you're going to follow through with. And a new, new Year's resolution just ain't it. And all that's going to do is frustrate you. And after three or four weeks worth, they say it takes 20, what is it, 21 days or 27 days, I forget which now, um, to make a new habit, to create a new habit, or to, and for that matter, drop a habit, all right? 20-something days of doing the same thing over and over, and then by then you will have pretty much created a habit. Some of you Let's say you want to brush your teeth more. Might I suggest that? No. Just. <laughs> All right. So you, you make a, you, uh, uh, an effort to brush your teeth every day, and you try to do it at the same time every day so that it, it works. When you come to that time of the day, well, you know it's time to brush my teeth today. Okay? And... Uh, so you get the idea, right? And so there are some things that I believe God is leading us to. And you've heard the, uh, the verse, the scripture before where it says, without a vision, a people will perish. Have you heard that before? Without a vision, a people will perish. And that's found in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. Without a vision, a people perish. Well, what does that mean? 
What does that mean? Without a vision. Well, what's a vision? Is that some sort of oracle? Is that some sort of omen that I need to wait for and, and seek out so that uh, I'll have this vision and then I'm going to know what to do? And, 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 right? No, that's not it. Well, maybe I need to see better physically. Maybe I need to get new glasses and then I'll have vision and then I'll know better what to do. Well, no, that's not it either. Well, in this case, a vision is a goal, in a sense, to make it very, very uh, simple. Without a goal, without a path, in a sense, given by God, we don't know where we're going, and we're all pulling in different directions. Well, I got a good idea of what I want the church to be, and I'm going to pull this way, Okay. And the other one says, well, I got a good idea about what I think the church needs to be, and so I'm going to be pulling in this direction, all right? And if we have a hundred people thinking along those same lines, everybody's pulling in a different direction, and nothing's getting done, or very little, okay? And so without a vision, our forward progress... Our motivation goes nowhere. But on the other hand, if we have a vision, if we have that goal, if we have that um, plan, that attainable thing that we're searching for, if we have that in mind, and together in spiritual harmony and unity, we're working together, everybody's focused on the same goal, what's going to happen? We're all pulling together, and a lot's going to get done. And I believe I've been really seeking God as to what He would have for this new year, what direction our church is going to be heading. And, and just because it's a new year really doesn't mean anything else other than it's an opportunity, opportunity it's a motivator, it's a, a time to reflect and cast vision, as they would say. And so you maybe do some inventory, Anybody ever had to do inventory? All right, some of you have worked retail before or something like that. I hate inventory. I hate it. Okay? Do you know that we have to do inventory here at the church? You wouldn't think about that, but you do. Every single thing in this church is down on paper somewhere. Okay? Yeah, think about that. That is not fun. So anybody that's looking for something new to do, we got a great job for you to do. <laughs> right? For insurance reasons, and they, they want to have a good um, hold on, on what you got in the church. So if there's something that happens, there's a fire, well, they know what to replace and, and that we have some sort of record. Okay? And so without this vision, without this plan, without this goal in mind, we don't know where we're going, and we're all going in a bunch of different directions, like molecules that have been heated up. Any science buffs in here? A few. Where's Colin? Colin! All right. So we got molecules, when you heat them up, man, they're bouncing all over the place, right? When you, and when you boil water, those molecules are just jumping all over. When they're cold, they're like constricted, right? Okay? I think that's how science goes. <laughs> all right? But 
When we are in unity, spiritual unity, genuine care, genuine concern for each other, and all of our eyes collectively as a church body are focused on the same thing, are focused on that same goal, we're thinking about it through the week, we're praying about it, every time we're together, our minds are in unity, and we're moving in the same direction. Okay? And when we are in unity, we are, in a sense, shoulder to shoulder. Our arms are, are behind each other, and we're supporting each other. We are as if an army, all right? We're an army that has a specific task in mind, all right? And I'm hesitant to use that phrase, army, because some people could mistake that for a militant sort of advancement, you know, but I'm, I'm thinking more of the preparation. I'm thinking more of the togetherness functioning as one, okay? And when we are in unity, that's the way we function. There is a big difference in churches that have unity. You can feel it. You can sense it in the way people talk to each other. You go to a different church, you, uh, you're on vacation, you go to a different church or something, and you can tell. You can tell if there's unity there. You can tell if there's harmony. People are working together. All right? We're blessed to have that, but it's something that has to continually be worked on. It, it's something that has to be a focus. All right? And we have been able to, over the years, over some 30 five, six years or whatever, um, since our church began, been able to accomplish miraculous things, all right, before I was even pastor, all right, when my dad was the pastor, and we started in a, in a room in our trailer, yes, in 1982, in a back room of a trailer, we all started together, and there was just a few families, some of you were here, or for, there for those meetings, and God, to this day, throughout these years, has been faithful as we worked together in unity, focusing on where God was leading. And so if we're going to follow a plan, a vision, we need to know what that vision is, don't we? And so in an effort to know, <laughs> there it is, in an effort to know, wow. And so you see the big door over there on the right-hand side. We had, my dad had built a room onto the front. It was probably 12 by 12. And it was probably about the size of the adult Sunday school room. Maybe. And it had a little fireplace out there, and we set up maybe 12, 15 chairs. And that was church. That's where church began. And me and Tam um, and Nick and Rob were... Um, just young and then, and uh, I remember sitting in a red beanbag chair in the trailer part uh, while everybody else was out in the other one, and that was how we made room. You know, that's where we started. And that's my dad singing, and me and Tam, and there's Nikki too, you know, years and years ago. But since then, God has been faithful as we did what? We continually sought his face. We sought his direction. God, where are you leading? Where are you leading? 
And myself and the elders over the past number of months have really strongly felt God leading in a certain direction, and that is discipleship. Well, what does that mean? What does discipleship mean? That means training up people. Wow, things look so much different now. Discipleship is training up people to follow Christ, teaching them, as the Great Commission says in Matthew 28, 18, and 19, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. All right? And so that is our mission, all right? If we could... Um, we work together with other churches packed in the area, and we have a mission statement. Have you? I think we have it in our bulletin, don't we? Have our mission statement in the packed bulletin, I can't, or our church bulletins? The welcome brochures, okay. Um, our packed mission statement is that every man, woman, and child would have repeated opportunities to hear and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. All right? That every man, woman, and child would have the opportunity, not just one, but multiple opportunities, to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and respond to that. In addition to that, we would provide an atmosphere here at the church where people once they have received Christ as the Lord, would begin to cultivate their faith. Are there any gardeners here or people that love to work with flowers or different things like that? There's several of you. Um, in this area, we're surrounded by farmland, aren't we? Just on all sides, okay? And when you're having a garden or when you're doing growing things, you, there's some cultivation that needs to take place. Well, you work the ground, you prepare the ground to receive the seed, all right? If the seed just lays on top of the ground, the opportunity for that seed to grow and produce fruit is limited, okay? It could get choked out by weeds. Remember, the kingdom of God is like how we went through this a few months ago or recently here right? Uh, sometimes it falls on, on solid ground and the birds come and pick it up or it falls on rocks. But if, if that soil is prepared and it's broken up and it's tilled and, and the weeds are cut and, and pushed underneath the well, now the weeds become what? Fertilizer, nutrients for the soil for the good stuff to grow up, okay? And so the soil excuse me, is prepared to receive the seed. Once that seed is in the soil, then that seed begins to grow, and all of the things around that seed are cultivated in a manner that allows that seed to grow up and to do what? Mature. Mature. And that is what the goal of the kingdom of God is, to raise up mature Christians. Well, what is a Christian? Well, a Christian is somebody that follows Christ, comes after Christ, okay? We here are Christians. Our nation is Christian, all right? 
All the other nations in the world view America as a Christian nation. Some presidents would say that we are not a Christian nation, but whatever. Anyways, um, but being a Christian is a follower of Christ, okay? We here are followers of Christ, all right? So that seed that is planted in the soil begins to grow, and we cultivate it. We weed it out a little bit. We water it, right? And we, we protect it. We make sure that it has what it needs. Sometimes we put some fertilizer on it to help it to grow, all right? And that seed of faith begins to mature and grow into something that is resembling what it's supposed to look like, okay? If you're growing a tomato plant, you don't expect it to grow up and look like a stalk of corn, no. And so we create an atmosphere in the church wherein people that come to Christ, right, people that come to Christ can grow in their faith. Now, we are all in the faith on different levels at different lengths of time that we've been serving Christ. We are at different levels of maturity. If in our farming and our cultivating and planting, we plant two or three different harvests of corn, you know that you can do that, right? You plant an early harvest of corn, a mid-season harvest, and then a late harvest so that when all the rest is gone, you still got a little bit to come in. Oh, that's so nice. You know, just before the fall comes, you got a late harvest of corn, and it still tastes so fresh. All right? We are all along the path of faith in different maturity positions, different levels. And so in the church of God and the kingdom of God, we, uh, we cultivate seeds of faith to where it will eventually produce fruit and maturity. Some of you are new here and haven't been coming very long, but you've gotten involved. You like what you see and hear, and God is confirming in your spirit through his Holy Spirit that this is truth, right? Not, not Pastor Russ, not Alabama Full Gospel, but the Word of God here, okay? That's what he's confirming, all right? And God is confirming in your spirit that what you're hearing is truth, all right? And the Bible says you will know the truth, and what? The truth will set you free. Now, that, that scripture, that is scriptural, uh, I believe that's John 8, 32. And the world will take that scripture and just kind of twist it and almost like it's supposed to be honest. Well, if you're honest, the, you're, being honest will set you free. No, no, that's not what that means. The truth of what? Christ Jesus. The truth of Christ Jesus. You will know the truth of Christ Jesus and Christ Jesus will set you free. Amen? Ain't nothing else going to set you free. And so in our efforts to move forward, we seek God's vision, we seek his direction, and then we make a plan to follow it. All right? When we receive God's direction and we believe very strongly that God is wanting us to begin to mature people, 
And it's not like we can cause that to happen because the maturity comes from the person or from the plant itself, right? But we can do things to help that plant, that faith, that person to mature and grow into something that's fruitful, all right? We can create this atmosphere in the church wherein people have opportunities to serve, where people have opportunities to learn such as Sunday school, adult Sunday school. On Sunday mornings, it's like a Bible study there. If you're seeking more than what we are able to accomplish in a uh, church Sunday morning setting, adult Sunday school or uh, youth Sunday school or children's Sunday school is a great place to do that. You're going to get a little bit more in-depth time taken on a certain scripture passage. And you're going to be able to dig a little bit deeper, and it's going to Uh, help you to grow a little bit more. And so that combined with Sunday morning church and the fellowship of the believers and worship and the teaching of the word of God. And then we create uh, an atmosphere on Wednesday night where we can pray together. Many of you here don't, aren't involved in Wednesday nights. Okay. That's a great stepping stone for you. That is a great place for you to be able to grow in your faith. All right, we've created family night now where you can receive a meal and then come and spend time with us only a half an hour um, or an hour, right? An hour in prayer. So at six o'clock, we have a meal together and then all the youth go to their classes and the adults come to prayer meeting. And so now nobody has to make a meal or provide for their family, and then run out of the house, try to get to church, and then back home because it's a school night or whatever. We're trying to make that easier for you, creating that atmosphere, all right, where you can stick around. It's not so hard to accomplish what you need to accomplish, all right? And so what we're trying to do is to disciple, train people how to follow Christ, train people what does it look like to be a Christian, a follower of Christ, Okay? Are you with me this morning? Now, in an effort to follow Christ, there are some changes that we need to make in our lives. We need to leave our old lives behind. Okay? And the Bible says to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Well, what does it mean to renew your mind? Well, it means that in in past days, you thought a certain way, you acted a certain way, you dressed a certain way, and you talked a certain way. Yeah? We call that the old man or the old woman, right? The person, not your husband, not your wife, but the old guy that you used to be. Okay? You follow? All right? And many of you have been baptized, and when you're baptized, you're, you're being put down under the water in a big symbolic service where, where you go down under the water unclean in one guy, and you come up clean another guy. You follow me? And so it is very symbolic. It's very important. It's, it's very beautiful. And it is a moment, a day when you remember that's the day that I did this, okay? 
And so you are, in a sense, declaring your faith in Christ, and from this day forward, I'm following Jesus. I'm not perfect, but I'm following Jesus. And you're making that declaration, okay? And so if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, everything is new. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, one of my favorite scriptures. All right. And so as we're looking at this new year, we're trying to leave some things behind us and to take on some new things. Our old life used to look like this. Well, we would spend time in the bar at happy hour or, you know, it's things like that. Okay? Or we would, on Sunday morning, we would stay in bed, collect a few extra hours of sleep, and then get up and watch the tube until it's time to go to bed again at night. And instead of doing that, we're going to make sure that we're in church on Sunday morning, okay? Or maybe even, now I don't want to step on any toes, but maybe even I used to have to work on Sunday mornings, all right? And now I'm going to try to make some changes where I don't have to work on Sunday morning so I can be in church on Sunday morning. I'll work Sunday afternoon if I have to, but I want to be in church on Sunday mornings, okay? And so we're making an effort to follow Christ, we're making an effort to renew ourselves in Christ. And so this atmosphere where faith is cultivated, we're providing opportunities for people to serve, and we're providing opportunities for people to learn what unity looks like. What does it mean to um, carry some responsibility and what does it mean to, to be uh, given a job and the pastor can leave and you take that job and you do it well so that the pastor doesn't have to do that job? He can focus on meeting the needs of somebody else that's in the hospital maybe or something. Okay? What does it mean to handle responsibilities in the church? What does that look like? What does that feel like? All right? And so we, we gently guide people. We give them... <clears throat> in a sense, entry-level opportunities to serve Christ, to serve the body. And as they show themselves able to faithfully perform that duty for the kingdom of God, for the Lord, they are given more and more responsibility if they so choose. Does that make sense? Okay. And that's how, brothers and sisters, the church works together. All right, and you may have been um, asked to do some things recently that, oh, oh, okay, yeah, I, I guess I can do that. I guess I never thought about it. Hmm. I never thought about serving at church. I never thought about helping. I never thought about teaching. I never thought about tithing. I never thought about saying to my boss or my work, I need to be at church on Sunday morning for religious reasons. It's very important to me. Have you done that? Have you had to do that? I need, maybe you need to talk to your coach on Wednesday night, okay? I need to be at youth group by 6 o'clock. I can stay as long as you want, but I got to leave here so I can be to youth group at 6 o'clock. It's very important to me for religious reasons, all right? We have, do you know that we have people in schools and workplaces saying, I need to take this time to pray to Allah. 
okay? And they're given that time. Why? Because of religious reasons. We live in a country, let me remind you, a Christian country that is based on the beliefs that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he is the Messiah, and that he died for our sins. You have certain rights, friends. Don't ever forget it. Don't ever forget it. You have the right to go to your boss and say, listen, I really need to be in church on Sunday morning. What can we do? All right? And sometimes it's not received well. So what do you do? Well, I give up. No, you don't give up. You don't give up. Sometimes you've got to have some posture and hold your ground a little bit. All right? Have you had to do that? That's not easy to do. That's not easy to do. Have you had to tell your coach when he's embarrassing you in front of everyone else that I've got to be in youth group. I'll, do, I'll give 110% when I'm here, but I'm leaving at 5.30 so I can be at youth group at 6 o'clock. And your coach gives you a hard time, <clears throat> but he sees that you're serious about it, that you're not just loafing and that you just don't want to be here for practice. I've had to do that. Have you? All right? You need to know as Christians that you have that right. You need to know that it's okay for you to make that expression of importance in your life. And I want to tell you, God will bless you for it. God will bless you for it. Years ago, hundreds of years ago, back in the 1500s, there was a man... Hernan or Hernando Cortez. Have you heard of his name? Some of you have. He was a Spanish conquistador. All right. Now, I'm no history professor, but the facts are pretty basic, and he's got quite an extensive history. He was quite a man from what I've read and researched. But he was under the reign of uh, King of Castile, And he was in the first phase of colonization of the Americas, okay? And um, he was commissioned, if you will, to go and, and colonize these areas. In some cases, that meant conquering people that were already there, indigenous people, all right? Well, at some point in in 1519... Cortez took a place called Veracruz, Mexico. It was in central Mexico. And he took a fleet of roughly 12 ships, number of horses, 500 or so men. And he was claiming this territory. There was many failures and attempts, and there was treasure and different things on different um, missions that he was in. But in 1519, you may have heard the phrase, burn the ships. Burn the ships. He was a a master in leading people. Okay? And he would convince people, this is where we're headed. This is our vision. And, of course, treasure helps 
when you got treasure to look towards, right? If you help me on these missions of colonization, there's going to be a lot of treasure for you. So come on, join with me, align yourself with me, commit, let's commit ourselves together, let's move in this direction, this is where we're going. And Veracruz, Mexico in 1519 was that mission. And so he took these 12 ships and these men and these horses and he began to take Veracruz, Mexico. Well, some of the people began to get a little bit nervous. And they're like, well, I'm, I know that I said I felt God was leading me in that direction, but now I'm not so sure that God was telling me that. Are you with me? Sometimes in church, I hear things like this. God is leading me to do this in this position, right? In this responsibility. I'm like, okay, well, let's see what we can do about that, all right? Well, when difficulty comes, I hear, some. well, I think God's leading me out of this position to another position. Wow, God changed his mind. How about that? In that short amount of time, God changed his mind. Hmm, that's interesting. Well, these people, kind of like the Israelites coming out of Egypt. You remember when they wanted to go back to Egypt? They were tired of living in all the heat and the sand and wandering this desert for 40 years. Let's go back to Egypt where it's safe and secure, where, where we would sit around pots of meat and, and oh, we could smell the meat and how good we had it back in slavery for 400 years. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. And so Cortez, hearing the rumble of his people saying, this is too hard. We're going to die here. We're going back. He goes and he gives a three-word command. Burn the ships. Well, sir, I'm not sure I heard you correctly. Did you just say burn the ships? That's what I said, burn the ships. Do it now. All 11 or 12 ships burned. And what does that say? We're not going back, friends. We're not going back. We're here to stay. This is our life. This is our home. Here we stay. Some of you have made a commitment. And you've kind of walked backwards a little bit. In a sense, you've slidden backwards. Friends, let's burn the ships today. Let's burn the ships today. Let's not go back to the place from where we came. Let's not go back there. Let's keep looking forward. Let's keep moving where God is leading. Don't go back to the place you were before. Burn those bridges. Burn those ships. Don't even look back. You started in the direction where God is leading you. Don't turn around. Keep your eyes forward. Keep moving where God is leading. And you know what? Where God leads and we follow, 
there's blessing. And where God guides, He also provides. I hope that you've been feeling, at least in part, what I have been feeling preparing for this message and maybe even the series that we'll be starting today. Would you stand with me? I don't want to talk about resolutions. I don't want to talk about diet plans, exercise plans. I want to talk about where we're going from here. As a church, where are we going? I believe God wants to build upon what he has built. The foundation has been built. We have great programs in place. Where is God leading us? I believe God is raising up leaders. He wants to train leaders. People that can handle responsibility. He wants to raise up people that are trustworthy. He wants to raise up people that are faithful and dependable so that the kingdom of God can rest upon their shoulders. Do you understand? And when that happens, much work can be accomplished for the kingdom of God. Not for Alabama, not for Pastor Russ, though they're part of it, but for the kingdom of God. He is our shepherd. We follow him together, looking onward, following the vision that he has given for Alabama Full Gospel. Are you a part of that? Are you going to be a part of the kingdom of God? Are you going to be a part of those upon which the kingdom of God is resting a certain amount of responsibility. I want you to think about that. And you know what? It doesn't matter age. It matters the response. I think of King David at the age of, let's say, 15. He goes to take some food to his brothers who are in the army of Israel David has been a shepherd for a number of years, caring for seemingly meaningless sheep. He goes to take some food to his brothers, and he hears this loudmouthed Goliath guy, nine feet tall, massive man, warrior since he was a youth. And he's screaming and defying the armies of Israel, saying, send out one man. What's the sense of all of us? You know, so many dying. Send out one man. Let's fight together. And whoever wins will be Lord of the others. And all of Israel, all of Israel, the armies were cowering. And even the king, Saul, didn't know what to do. And here's this little David. He sees and he hears this guy. And he says, why isn't anyone standing up for Israel? Why is no one standing up for our God? Where are you? And this little boy, 15 years old, somebody hears him saying these things, and he's taken to the king, and he says, King, 
I'm going to go fight that guy for you. And the king just laughs at him. He says, you're but a boy. Don't, you can't take on. He's been a warrior since he was just your age. And David says, no. I've killed a bear. I've killed a lion protecting the sheep of my father. And this loud mouth is going to be the same as that lion and that bear. I'm going to kill him. And the king says, okay. Your mind sounds like it's made up. I'm going to let you go. But here, take my, my weapons. Take my armor. And David's standing. Stand. Can you just picture this in your mind, right? David's trying to put on this armor, and he's just a little guy. He says, king, I can't, I can't go in all this. I'm not used to these things. They don't, they don't fit me. I got, I got a sling, and I got a, I got a staff. Those are the things that I use every day to protect the sheep. That's what I'm going to go with. And so he goes out. And he hears that loudmouth giant Goliath screaming and defying the God of the armies of Israel. And that's the thing that just burned in David's heart. You're not going to defy my God. We are not going to be your slaves. And he went and he grabbed some smooth stones from a creek bed. And he put them in his pocket. And he ran and he, he goes to the line and I've been to the valley where Goliath was over here and David was over here and there's a dry creek bed that runs through there where David probably grabbed those stones from. And Goliath comes down and he's making his daily attack on Israel vocally. And David walks forward and he says, You come at me with a sword and a spear, but he says, I come at you in the name of the Lord. 